Hello and welcome to Blaze Pod. It is Monday, the 6th of February. My name is Ben, and I'm very pleased to be joined by a special guest, friend of the podcast, former former guest on this podcast. It is Hal Stewart of Sheffield United Way, coming out as live from Cyprus. How are you doing, Hal? Oh, I'm just uh, really pleased to be back. It's always good to chat united uh with you thanks for having me back i can't have done that badly last time despite as you know and i know many a tech issue yeah for, for anyone who wasn't aware i think you had a literally a 24-hour power cut like that started during our call didn't you yeah and it was at that moment that i said i'm leaving the country <laughs> you have of course moved out to cyprus how uh do, do you want to tell people i mean obviously you're you're uh you know, still still doing Chef United Way, so any viewers of that will know how you're doing. But do you want to tell people how, how things are, how you're settling in out there? Yeah, thanks to all of those that have messaged me saying, oh, at least Nick stayed with his team. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I did this move largely for my wife, who, who is uh, Greek Cypriot. Her family are out here, job opportunity as well. And it's been great as we speak. I've just had a Jiro and Halloumi, and I've also found that my name, being Hal, the locals have really enjoyed calling me Halloumi and then Gaforin. <laughs> Afterwards. <laughs> well, I, I like Apo Hal Nicosia, so uh, Halloumi is good as well. Um, you're, you're the first person to call me Hal Powell Nicosia, so that's really good work. I'm very pleased with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hal is very generously stepping into the breach here because uh, Andrew is still under the weather. He's uh, he's, he's got full-on flu, I think. Not, not man flu. It's gone on too long for it to actually be man flu, but... Um, he did say he's feeling a bit better today, so that's that's encouraging. Um, yeah, he's, he's by the sounds of it, he can barely speak, um, and he's looking more and more like Sean Dyche with uh, every passing day, <laughs> judging by the photos that he sends me. Oh, you should have got him on. I'd love to hear him do his Dyche for an hour. I were outside, I were eating gravel. I'd like to hear that. Or he, him just doing a darts commentary impression that like, I can't speak. <laughs> he did say he is starting to sound like Sean Dyche as well. But uh, yeah, hopefully he'll be uh, he'll be back and available again. But in the meantime. Very grateful to have you here to talk about the Blades. Um, well, a lot's gone on since since I last recorded an episode of Blades Pod, which was uh, it was after the Hull game, the one 0 win, and before we played Wrexham for the first time. So in the in that period, we have drawn two away games with Wrexham and Rotherham, which I do want to talk about. We also have well, we had transfer deadline day where uh, nothing happened, which is nice, you know, from a <laughs> in terms of an actual incomings and outgoings perspective and then there's the takeover stuff rumbling on and the more you look at this the more the story twists and turns so i uh i have tried to kind of not pay that much attention to this because i can't do anything about it and it i don't know it feels like it, it feels like you can sort of fall down a bit of a, a rabbit hole on it and end up uh i don't know doing doing almost too much research into something you you can't really affect. I mean, we'll talk about that later on, maybe. Should we talk Rotherham, first of all, the game that, uh, the most recent game, and then we'll we'll look at Wrexham as well. Does that sound all right for you? I think Andrew chose the right pod to be, quote, ill for after that <laughs> Rotherham game. Well it's fine. Oh, that was, that was a dull game. We're not going to talk too long about that one. Um, I'm, I will say I'm really looking forward to playing a team who actually want the ball to stay in play, which fortunately we do in the coming weeks. Swansea absolutely want the ball oh, and yeah. play as much as possible. Borough pretty much have to come and beat us. They will not 
be you know setting out for a, a nil nil draw. Instead, we've kind of had this Wrexham Rotherham Wrexham sandwich, if you like, with the uh, with the replay coming up on Tuesday, and that's fine. I mean, you know, taking time out of the game, it's it's a very viable tactic, um, particularly if you think there's like a talent disparity, I suppose, which Wrexham obviously will feel being a national league team, uh, and Rotherham, are, you know, the other end of the table to us. But ah, oh, it's dull to watch in it, and we're, we're like culpable ourselves, I suppose, in not being able to get a goal that changes the flow of the game. But, yeah, just a, a really dull, low-quality game for the second time this season against Rotherham. How, how did you see it? Well, exactly what you've just said. Yeah, negative, anti-football, as people call it. Basically what I've been enduring since I've been in Cyprus watching the football here. Uh, but, yeah, not a great game for the neutral. I won't be buying the DVD. Both matches, actually, this season against Rotherham. Uh, I want to forget both of them. But mm. when we talk about the Rotherham game, I always, and people will know this if they watch Sheffield United Way, I always want to try and pick out positives. Is that you know that is usually my kind of mo. I like I'm not it. a well, I'm not a happy clapper, but we can't like you've just said with the takeover. We can't affect things, so we might as well try and draw some positives out of the, what we already know. It's easy to focus on the negatives. So Bogle looked lively in an unlively game. You know, I thought mm. he started well and tried to get United starting well. Probably had some of our best chances, some decent crosses, good positioning. At times, looked like his boots were on the wrong feet, but that was the way. The game was, and Rotherham fans as well, they'll have uh, turned out in force. They'll probably have felt they could have won this game. They could have had a penalty, you know, in the first half. There was a block from Anel in the box. Didn't think it was, but, you know, I know they do. Mm. Uh, Berg as well, I thought, and this is probably one I'll throw back at you. He looked decent. I won't go any further than decent. I remember he had a really good shot from outside the box in the first half and better than in recent weeks, but still not the Sander we know he can be. He's still here. What do you think about Sanderberg's season? I think it, it's been good. Good, not great. I mean, I, somebody, I think it was just someone on Twitter, I'm afraid, I can't remember um, who it was that kind of uh, posed this to me, but he, he's still, so Berger, even though he has been disappointed this season, he's still scored and created more than basically any of any midfielder who's played for us in the last couple of years. Like, you know, even if you, you include Doyle in that, who played for, you know, full season for Cardiff last season, Fleck obviously has scored what two goals in two seasons, something like that. Norwood is a you know this is his best goal scoring season for some time, uh, and he obviously does chip in with some assists from set pieces and stuff. So I, I I think I said this with Andrew, like I'm all right with Berger being average to poor for like seventy minutes of a game because he still has the potential to you know just just have three or four really good goal scoring moments and against. Hull, for example, you know, he didn't score, he didn't create one, but he was involved in most of our good attacks. And that's in, like, I think we can carry that when we have two uh, other good midfielders out there. Uh, unfortunately, for the second time this season, we start Ben Osborne against Rotherham, which I get is out of necessity, but that does inhibit us a little bit. I'm glad he's, like, if you're talking from a, um, uh, you know, the perspective of the fact that Berger's still here, the transfer window thing. I'm glad he's still here. I I talked myself into it being a good thing us selling him on deadline day for the sort of twenty million that was reported. Do you want to just quickly talk about that while while we're on the subject of Sander? 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Osborne playing out of necessity. For those that don't know, Tommy Doyle, not even on the bench, got a calf injury. But yeah, Sander, uh, the reason that you know we kind of are still talking about him is he didn't leave on deadline day, reported twenty million pounds interest apparently from a, a number of clubs, mm. but it was it was vetoed. Now, now, who knows if it was really ever on the cards, or it was one of those that you know. And I've spoken about this, and I've heard you speak about it. You know, so and so are preparing a bid. I, I hate that term. <laughs> oh, hate it. Or if there was, as many are saying, there was genuine offers on the table. And I, and I have to tend to believe that there were. We've got a question here. Should we have taken that money now because we'll never get offered as much again because of his contract running out? Mm. And and really, mm. there, there are. I've seen a number of reports on Twitter now saying that Sander may well see out his contract and leave on a free. And if finances are going to be an issue going forward, it might have been prudent to sell him now. Mm. If you think that was the height of his value for us, because I don't think it'll be the height of his value in his career. I think if he finds the right team, he is actually really class and he'll, he'll go on to have a, a fantastic career. I'm not sure if he's going to do that with us and maybe he's got his foot slightly off the gas. We can't tell. We don't know what's going on in, in his mind, but maybe if he's had in his mind, I'm going to see out my contract. Are you going to give everything every game? We saw that with John Lundstrom before. And oh, I, I don't think, Sanders, well, I don't think Sanders that kind of person. I don't think he's that kind of player. I think he'll give a hundred percent every time, but, you have that question mark, don't you, over anyone who is potentially going to be seeing out a contract and then they would look for a more lucrative move and, you know, they wouldn't want to be injured for that naturally. Um, I, I think necessarily when you look at the side we've got, obviously you want to be going into the Premier League with a strong side. You don't want to be going into the Premier League with a weaker team than you had in the Championship. So from that perspective, it made sense absolutely to keep our best players, Illy Manandai and Sander Berger. And on paper, I'm delighted that we kept both of them. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, that's a, that's a solid argument. The uh, you know you want to, you want to have Premier League ready players if we do indeed go on to clinch promotion. I'm just I don't know. I, for me, I'm like the goal for me is just get promoted and like we'll we'll deal with next season when we get there. I mean, the, the worst that can happen next season is you get relegated and like well then we're back where we were, but we're significantly richer than we were, yeah. you know, up to that point. So. Um, yeah, I, I talked myself into it. You know, the, the rumours were that uh, there was twenty million on the table or thereabouts. Uh, he would go to Fulham or wherever, and we'd sign Lewis O'Brien on loan for the rest of the season. I I sort of talked myself into that being like, do you know what? That's probably the optimum outcome of deadline day, more than just hanging on to Burger. Obviously, yeah, we... how many fax machines would need to be involved? It's <laughs> a lot. Well. Sell Berger, you then contact the EFL and say, look, we've, we've sold him. Do we have the money now? No. Um, but we, yeah. we, we've been promised it. Uh, so now you can take us out of the transfer embargo. No, again, we still don't have the money just yet. Uh, can we now go and get Lewis O'Brien? Again, no, we don't have the cash. Uh, and, but no, that'll just be a loan. Then we'll get him at the end of the season. No, the money will definitely have come by then. It, it just It's all being done at the last minute. I just don't think it would have worked like that. You you make a good point, and we should say Lewis O'Brien has uh, been left in the lurch because he was obviously going to go to Blackburn, and they didn't get that completed in time. And now he's uh, not part of Forest's registered exactly. squad for the Premier League for the second half of the season. So. Him. He's far too good for that situation. Yes, uh, I, for his sake, I hope he's on good money at Forest because he's just he's wasted a year of his career. Um, but yeah, anyway, so you, you you raise a good point there. Actually, that did hit me on deadline day. I was like, do you know what? If we do sell Berger. Well, we're not coming out of an embargo today. Like it's, it's going to take time to process that. That's that's not happening. So, Absolutely. yeah, which again comes back to you know this kind of weird mismanagement thing that's going on at the moment. Of 
I want to believe that it's in order and a lot of the you know the the reported there was clearly you know uh well, I guess you know this as well the 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 button was clearly pressed by United on deadline day at a certain point it was like nope we're not selling anyone you know get the word out there you know every uh all, all the local media and stuff that we're not selling anyone it's not happening we've entertained bids but we're not we're not selling anyone anymore uh and then you see sort of um uh Nathan Hemingham for example saying embargo that'll be sorted out this month it's not seen as an issue and stuff and I want to believe that that is the case, that everything's in hand, but I don't totally, if you know what I mean, the, the actions aren't totally lining up with how I uh, how I want things to actually be occurring at the moment. Is I, that- I, I'm with you. I, I'm genuinely, this isn't, I want to make this really clear, this isn't like an in-the-know opinion. This is my, this is Hal's honest opinion. I'm genuinely worried because... We don't know. And I don't like not knowing. I'm a bit of a control freak in all aspects of my life. And I don't like going into the unknown. We don't yet know who the owner will be in a month's time. Mm. We don't yet know when we'll come out of this transfer embargo or how or the finer details of it. And I don't like uncertainty when it surrounds the football club I love. I would like nothing more than just be given a clear pathway and regular updates from the club, which is few and far between. And actually, all you get is a kind of slightly annoyed Paul Heckingbottom fielding questions from the local press that he actually genuinely doesn't seem like he knows. I think he's being so honest, but he's not being informed. That must be the case. And that's not ideal either. So it's uncertainty which worries me more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, not ideal is right. I'm... I, I agree with that. I'm less bothered about, uh, like, I mean, all right, the, the, the communication from the club to the fans is not, like, great on this, obviously, but I, it doesn't bother me that much as it does some other people that I've seen talking about it. Like, I, you know, the, the, there's a reason the club aren't, have not commented on this, uh, this, this takeover at the moment, because, as we're seeing, you know, every time you read a new news story about the prospective owner... Doesn't look so good anymore, does it? So uh, I, the I way get... you handle that as a club, I know they don't owe us anything. Of course, they don't have to say anything, but mm. you know it's a business, and you don't get you know, Fox's biscuits speaking to all the shareholders publicly. <laughs> I get it, but it's a football club, and we feel slightly differently about sure. them. But they can just come out occasionally and say, "We'd love to tell you more at this juncture about the." current takeover which you'll have heard is happening in the press but it's such uh, it's such a fine detailed state at the moment that we don't want anything to disrupt it so for that reason we can't possibly say anything so we'll just until we can we're just going to leave it and you know what we'd go okay fair enough the, the, the club can't say anything because of course if they do maybe it would ruin the chances of this thing happening the EFL yeah. have got to do their due diligence but there's it's radio silence and I think that creates more uncertainty, more worry, more people on social media creating stories than mm. if you just go, we can't talk about it because it's going through the process it needs to go through. Thank you very much. We'll have more when we can. There you go. I hope someone at Sheffield United has just uh, written that down word for word. You may have a, a very convincing argument. <laughs> Say again, sorry. You can write it better than that. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was very professional. Um Thanks. So yeah, I guess just one final thing on the the burger and enjoy thing. I mean, the the reporting was that the two players had ultimately said we want to stay at Sheffield United until the end of the season. Which again, I don't know if that's PR spin. Uh, ultimately, though, that's that is like one of the best possible outcomes. I think if there's you know if there's a shred of truth to that that the two players have said. Do you know what? I want to stay here. It's, being cynical, it's probably better for their like I. I maintain that 
it will be better for Njai's career if he's still here at the end of this season and and then potentially moving on rather than joining Everton, who, all right, have a new manager now, but still in a bit of trouble this season. Um, and yeah, just, just hearing that kind of sentiment come out from those two players cements that they're, they're bought in for the rest of the season. And yeah, I don't know. that I, I was quite cheered by that. That seemed quite... Quite unusual. I don't feel like we get that very often as United fans. I can't. I can't think of many recent examples. Can you? No. I mean, Dame Whitehouse is the last one that I can actually think of as a player who was like, "I don't want to leave Sheffield United. This is the club yeah. I love." Now we just need Jackie Longthrow to come out and say the same, and we can all celebrate. Yeah. After uh, After Andrew was trying to trying to get rid of him in our his controversial opinion when we were doing, should this player get a new contract or not? He was. He, Jackie Long gone, according to him. He didn't want anything to do with him. Um, what was I going to say there? Oh, yeah. The, I mean, so this was obviously circulating on, on deadline day. You know, lots of people bringing up Black Thursday when uh, Dean and Fjortoft got sold. And, yeah, this was – I think this was Beige Tuesday. Nothing really happened. It was a, a bit a bit dull. But ultimately, pretty happy to keep hold of those two players, um, particularly Njai. Um, and, yeah, I like Sonderberger. I wanted to stay for the rest of the season and hopefully fire us a promotion. Um, back to this Rotherham game. Unfortunately, he couldn't fire us a promotion in this one um, or indeed fire us the three points. Um, Armad Odzic and Bogle probably had the two best chances in the second half. That Armad Odzic header from the Bogle oh. cross was not an amazing chance, but I don't know, particularly the way he has taken chances this season. I did kind of expect him to stick that one away. Um, yeah. Yeah, second half, Bogle's cross, Anel heading over, such a good chance. And they were so few and far between that I think had we won the game sort of 2-0, two, two you wouldn't mention that chance. Mm. But because they were so few, that actually probably was the best chance, certainly that I can recall. And maybe I've forgotten one or two others, but that felt like a really... At the time, I thought, this has got to go in. He's going to head it down like you're always told to do, 1-0. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, you know, I actually thought we played quite well for the certainly for the first half. It's just, yeah, it got to half time and I, was, uh, I like looked at my phone and just I wanted to see how many shots we'd had, and it was hardly any. We'd had like three shots. I said, can we manage that? We've, you know, we've got into their box so many times. We looked so dangerous, you know, and Jai McBurney's running at their defence. Got, you know, Berger popping up on the edge of the box. Bogle getting into the area. Armand Odzic bombing forward. So I thought we played quite well, just didn't actually create anything. And then the second half, it was a bit more... I think Rotherham sat off even more in the second half. And we just... Uh, I don't know, we were kind of just praying for one to drop to us, really. I mean, a couple did. The Bogle one I mentioned, he smashes it over and uh, from about eight yards and then gets obliterated for his trouble. But, yeah, uh, a really a really frustrating game. I just want to get your opinion on... Um, where do you stand on, like, performances recently? Because I, th- I think this is... My point of view, this is my opinion, is this has been a little bit overplayed, this notion that we're not playing well. I don't think we're playing as well as we did in some of the first part of the season. So like, you know, Blackburn at home, Reading at home, Burnley at home. But we're still deserving to win most of these games. I think there's only been like, since the World Cup, I reckon there's only been maximum two games, of which I'd include this Rotherham game, that we didn't actually deserve to win. And obviously we have won all those games apart from this one and QPR, I believe, off um, off the top of my head. So it, where are you on this? Because I'm, I'm quite chill on it. I'm like, we're not playing that well, but we're still doing enough to win most of the games. We're incredibly solid defensively. I feel like we're going to score at least one goal a game because we've just got that level of attacking talent. But I you know, get the sentiment that people think we're, we're sort of spinning our wheels a little bit. Where, where do you come down on it? 
Well, I totally agree with you, but I would say the fact that people are slightly frustrated is because of those games you've mentioned. Because we know this team can be better. Mm. So you've seen a, a kind of really complete performance against Reading, where it was just obliterated a, a good Reading team at that point. Blackburn as well. Uh, you mentioned Burnley. Okay, that wasn't a 90-minute performance because we did allow them a couple of goals and a few other chances. But it was a Premier League performance, I thought. You could play like that in the Prem and you'd get a result. But really, we have, since the World Cup, against maybe just Millwall in the Cup, put in a really dominant whole team performance for a good length of the game. We haven't in the league since the World Cup come back and got out of third gear. And that is, we only know that because of how well we've played in other games. So we know there's more from this group, and that's maybe where the frustration comes. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I'm excited for this next run of games. Like get get through Wrexham, which we'll come on to in a, in a second. But um, I'm really, I know people, some people are a bit daunted by our fixture list in the next few weeks. Let me just bring that up actually, because um, oh, yeah, the stuff he's in there, Borough particularly. Oh, you say that, but I'm I'm really looking forward to these. I, I think these are the games that we will turn up for. So we got. Swansea on Saturday. Swansea love to dominate the ball. That's I, spoiler alert. I think we're going to smoke Swansea on Saturday. I, I, I think it's going to be similar game to last season where they try and build from the back, and we are very much built to destroy teams that are going to do that. And I, I'm really confident we're going to do similar to them uh, on Saturday. Middlesbrough home Wednesday night. That's going to be a that's going to be a big game. Millwall away. We've already beaten them in um, in the cup. I'm not too worried about that. Watford at home, bring that on. Blackburn, eh, whatever, I guess. And then we've got uh, Reading away and Luton at home to follow that as well. So, yeah, the, these are games that I, I just think when we've when the, there's going to be a bit more onus on the opposition to take more than a point out of the game, I, I think we're just going to come into our own in those ones. I'm, I'm not, I'm almost more like uh, optimistic going up against those teams than against, well, Rotherham, I suppose, who. Maybe you can say I've just had our number this season, like in terms of shutting the game down. They have done a good job on us, to be fair to them, haven't they? Yeah, they have. But you know, you might look back at it at the end of the season and go, Rotherham, mm. one point. That's not necessarily going to be good enough. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the amount of scaremongering, doom and gloom about oh, Borough are going to catch us. I'm not sure about that. I don't think we're going to catch Burnley now, but we're in a very comfortable position. And it is just like I've said before, it's only because we know there's more to come from this group that is a little bit of frustration. We've just got to kick on. We've got to put in a more complete performance. When Ndai doesn't create, we don't seem to create. I would like to see McAtee step into that Ndai creative force role when Ndai isn't firing on all cylinders, but he needs game time. Uh, and he, I think he would like to be starting more often than not, I'm not sure we need all these deep midfielders mm. sometimes against certain teams. You know, you mentioned Swansea. I was watching their game against uh, Birmingham. They dominated the ball in that match and were by far the better team for 60 minutes. They end mm. up losing that game. And that could well be the kind of situation that we find ourselves in. Although we like to keep the ball, they like to keep the ball. So it's going to really be in that match, arguably a case of who scores first. Or it could be a really dull game in two teams <laughs> wanting to pass it back and forth like in The Simpsons, the way they imagine. <laughs> yeah, for wine for some soccer. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm optimistic about Swansea because uh, I, I think it will play. I, I think they only know how to play one way and it's very stubborn. And um, look what we did to them last season when yeah. every time they had the ball, I thought we were going to score. 
Um, yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. And Sander, I should mention, was incredible mm. in that 4-0 uh, at home against Swansea. Straight from the off, I always know with Sander if he's going to have a bully boy performance <laughs> or he's going to be the kind of six foot two midfielder that jumps down when there's a header to be won. Because he, when he's on it and when he wants to be, he can dominate a game. And he did in that match. And I want to see him do it again. Nice. Bolly Boy Burger. Very good. Um, yeah, McAtee, he, uh, he he went off at half-time against Wrexham, so he was on the only on the bench for this one, and that's presumably why Osborne started. I'm, I'm assuming Osborne wasn't, you know, it wasn't picked because it's a derby game and we need, you know, a battler in midfield. I, I, I don't buy that Heckingbottom would do that. I think he would have picked Doyle, definitely, and McAtee, probably, if... Uh, if either were fit to play uh, from the start, anyway, it sounds like Doyle's pretty minor in it, from what Heckingbottom was yeah, saying. Yeah, it does create an interesting quandary, doesn't it? Because I think we'd all agree on the right hand side, attacking midfield, Sanderberger is better than when he plays deep, even though we signed him as kind of a Norwood esque kind of player. Uh, and then you'd maybe want McBurney up front with Illiman off him, or, you know, behind, possibly on the left of that attacking midfield, or, or up front with him. I still kind of think of Illiman as an attacking midfielder. Mm. And then you, then where do you fit in McAtee? Where do you fit in Doyle and Norwood if you're playing McAtee and Dai Berger? It starts to get a bit congested and someone's got to miss out. And I think really if everyone's fit, he's not going to drop Sander. So it gets interesting. It's a good headache to have. And it depends, I guess, how you want to operate and who you're playing against for who actually gets picked. And Ben Osborne's going to find opportunities few and far between. But I would just say in his defence, under Slavisa Jokanovic, we saw Ben Osborne. We saw what Ben Osborne is capable of because he was playing, even for him, I'm sure, a position he didn't love. Once Slavisa had realised he's not a left-back, he was playing at left wing. Mm. And, and he was great. And I don't want to forget what I saw because I watched every game under Slav and I thought Ben was really really good he was he's easy to forget that now when he's going through a tricky time but he saw enough there to go actually there's a real player in there but he's not necessarily going to be good coming in every so often every player needs game time to get the minutes up and to get sharp and he's not going to get that at the moment he'll probably be dropped again next week and he just won't build any confidence and he'll probably leave Sheffield United at the end of his contract Mm. and a lot of fans won't remember him too fondly but I think there was a there was more that we could have seen from Ben Osborne if he'd been given more opportunities in a position that would have worked more for him. Yeah, I just uh yeah, mid- midfield 3 uh, as part of that. Um, for me it's a uh you know, play when you need when we need you to rather than it should be like a first choice. Which I mean, that, that's exactly what happened here obviously. It would not have it would have been third choice for that position I think and unfortunately the two Man City lads are injured. Um yeah, I would I just like to run out Doyle Norwood and Berger like as many games as possible for the rest of the season and, uh, you know, rotate McAtee in for Doyle uh, or even get him on the pitch at the same time, I suppose. He, Interesting. He's, yeah, he's quite an exciting player, McAtee. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's it's difficult to fit him into the team in a way, which is not yeah, the worst you, problem. You almost have to think like if Andai could play up front, but then you've got to drop McBurney. But then again, it, it comes, okay, who you're playing, do you need a target man uh, not that I necessarily think of McBurney as a target man because he's so much better with his feet than people give him credit for uh, you know, good feet for a big man and then you think <laughs> well do you play and die up front with him can you fit McAtee just behind but then Berger's going to have to play deeper it's difficult and it's uh, it's not a problem we have to worry about it's Paul Eckenbottom but how do you get them all in there because I don't think really a lot of fans want to see McAtee on the bench I think that you know since that awful debut he's actually been a much improved player 
and mm. certainly since the World Cup, he's probably been the most improved player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking to the bench, only used two subs in this game, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, Billy Sharp, who, who finally does turn 37 yesterday. So uh, it was a great day for Andrew yesterday because now when he claims that Billy Sharp is 37, he's, he's actually correct. Uh, so happy <laughs> birthday, Billy. Um, McAtee does come on uh, for Osborne in the game. Um, I'm a bit surprised we didn't use more substitutes because it just wasn't happening in that second half. I guess you could look at the bench and think like, well, we've got Louis Marsh on there who's... You know, what is he, like 18, 19? He's, he's never made a first-team appearance. Uh, and then you've got Koulibaly, who is a great unknown at this point, and then Basham and Kieran Clark. Um, it's good to see Clark back there, and I wonder if he will start um, against Wrexham on Tuesday or if we'll continue with Jar Robinson. But, um, yeah, sorry, I, I, I'm just rambling here. I don't even know what grand grand point I'm even trying to make. But, um, oh, McBurney, that was something I want to say. Good to... Uh, Good to see him starting in the league again, and he gets what does he get about seventy minutes, something like that, I think, and then he's is uh, is taken off to save his leg. So that'll be massive if he can get back to playing ninety minutes in the league for us every uh, every week or so. Good, I thought he had a good game actually. Um, how about you? Yeah, I thought he did. I think uh, just to mention your substitutes thing. You know, Paul Heckingbottom has been allowed, as of all the other managers, it's not just him, uh, more than three subs this season, and sometimes I think Stuart McCall. And Jack Lester might just want to remind him of that because there are times when the game needs affecting and needs changing and we don't want to wait until it's right. Oh, okay, he's now got to this level of fitness, so we've got to remove him. I think there were certainly a lot of fans uh, the weekend that were watching and thinking, right, it's not happening for Osborne. Let's make something happen and mm. get a player on technically more gifted who can who can do something. And sometimes it feels like we're waiting just a little bit too long to make those changes. I mean, Mourinho used to make changes in the first half if things weren't going his mm. way. And actually, in, here in Cyprus, I've watched a few games where managers do that. It's not irregular. Uh, if they've got it tactically wrong, they can sometimes just go, right, hold me hands up. And, and, and Heckingbottom's done that, you know, if, well, only if it was Kadra. But he's, done, you know, he's shown, <laughs> shown that he can do that. I felt this game was one that was crying out for going, right, okay, we've got to change things. I'd also like to see more formation changes in game and utilising the bench because we have got these extra subs. A little bit more, but you mentioned Jackie Long throw. I thought it's worth mentioning that he he was pretty good. Uh, the fact that a long throw from Jack Robinson, which led to nothing, made it onto the first half highlights in the United <laughs> YouTube, says everything about the game. But I thought he was decent, and you know Clark offers him real competition. Yeah, definitely. I, I think this is one of those things where with with the subs, I think Heckingbottom could justifiably turn around and say, "Well, look, uh, maybe you wanted me to shake it up, but." I had like my, you know, I had pretty much my strongest eleven on the pitch at the at the finish there. You know, bar um, bar sharp for McBurney. I had McAtee on for Osborne. You have got Berger, you have got Bogle, you have got Lower the left, you have got Ahmed Ozic, you still got Jai on the pitch. So I think you could justifiably turn around and say like, I thought the best way to win the game was to have all my best players on the pitch at the one at once, which is absolutely a tactic I endorse. But this is for me, like you said, this is a game where it just wasn't happening for these yeah. very and, good players uh, so why not why not you know save burgers legs for 15 minutes and let's have a look at cooler barley instead and see what you can actually I get, do i totally get that and our, our opposition though they know sheffield united are going to stick pretty rigidly to a formation that we mm. have been playing now for a million years i just think it would be a, a real surprise you just throw on some subs that no one's expecting change it completely you know we've got oh, we've gone three up front Rotherham aren't going to be ready for that. They'll they'll have to adapt. Will they be able to adapt quick enough? Five minutes might have gone before they realise, oh, this midfielder's now playing up front. 
And mm. it's, in that, it's in that uncertainty that in a nothing game, something can happen. But if you do just stick doing the same thing, clearly it's not working. It's not worked for 70. Will it work? No. Oh, it's not worked for 80. It's not worked for 90. Oh, the game's finished. Because we weren't going to score if we'd carried on playing for 180. So I think doing something totally different when it's clearly not working surprised the opposition. They wouldn't have known how to handle it because Sheffield United play that 3-5-2. But on the plus side, it is a point on the road um, as I said, Rotherham might just kind of have our number this season. You know, very unadventurous team against us. I, I did the maths on this. We've scraped barely one expected goal against them in both games, uh, wow. allowing around 0.5 xG against in both. They've only had 10 shots combined in the two games. They may just be our Walsall this season, if you like, where it's they just match up well against us. They don't have much ambition to you know, let us score more than zero or try and score more than zero themselves. So, yeah. yeah I'm... Fair play to Rotherham, though. They were looking to cement consecutive home wins and they had you know, they got some decent players out themselves. Tough place to go. I don't think we've ever won there in the league. Because you might be right, you know. Yeah, it's a bit of a cliche, the, uh, the, the tough at home, but they actually have been quite decent at home this season. I was surprised at this. They, I think they got the 12th most points, which... Uh, at home, that is, which, you know, all right, it's not amazing or anything, but they're 20th in the league or thereabouts. You know, they're, they're one of the favourites for relegation. That's a, that's a pretty good return. It's not, I can't say the New York Stadium is, you know, renowned as a hostile place to go or anything. So, yeah, fair play. They're good at home. They're, they're also, I didn't realise this until today, they are the third highest scorers in home games in the whole division behind uh, United wow. and Burnley. Um, that is impressive. It is, yeah. And they've played a game or two less at home than most of the other and teams. They've as well. got- Connor Washington, you know, and also their keeper Johansson. Uh, I thought he was he was decent, probably worth mentioning. And I'm also aware that I have been talking about us playing one with two behind, and then simply play three five two. So you know, I just <laughs> sim- I was just simplifying the formation before I get grief on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I can't say I was upset at full time. Uh, I'm going to call this podcast New York Cranky because it's it's just too. Uh, it's, nice. it's, it's too good to leave leave out there. Um, but I actually am not that cranky about it. Um, frustrating to you know go two games without a win, including the cup game, obviously, um, mm. and to look a bit toothless with some of our better players out there. But a point, it's okay. You know, other teams pick up points, other teams drop points beneath us. Uh, yeah, not certainly nothing to particularly worry about. Um, and yeah, ultimately, I'm excited to play a team who doesn't want a nil nil from the first whistle as. That's that's fine. That's you know that's a good point for them. That I'm sure Rotherham fans on balance will be happier with that result than United fans. Um, Wrexham. Should we talk quickly about this because we play them tomorrow night? Uh, yes. Quick. Do you want to give me just your quick thoughts on the first game? Like just the uh, I guess as a spectacle or how you felt at full time. Uh, two words. Paul Mullen. <laughs> so those are good words. I mean, he was so good. I was saying, I was watching it with a few blades. I've created a Cypriot Sheffield United supporters group here. Now has nine members, and I can't tell you how happy I am uh, about that. I'm like a missionary uh, just going around (laughs) doing all this wonderful work. But, uh, yeah, watching it with some blades fans, and we kept saying, Paul Mullin, this guy clearly could be playing. And I know he hasn't in his previous time, but he's he's, he's, he's prime, and Mm. he's playing in the National League. This guy should be playing League One at the very lowest because he is really a handful. Uh, I thought John Egan would, would tell you that afterwards uh, and Basham as well. And mm. it was lucky that you know John Egan did play the villain of the piece, that 95th minute leveller. But actually, it's quite embarrassing when you are um, away, like I am at the moment, and 
you know, I was watching this game with no Wrexham fans, but plenty of neutrals watching Sheffield United fans react to the television. <laughs> and it's quite embarrassing when you've got people who don't know anything about football going, hang on. So the team you just are celebrating like mad scoring in the last minute, they're, they're in what the non-league. So they're like, how far away are they from the Premier League? And it, it, you shouldn't really be in that situation. Uh, but we were. And in a way with Wrexham doing so well in their league, it's not quite as simple as that. And you don't really mm. want to get the detail with people who don't love the beautiful game, but well, they've got backers from Hollywood and they've, they've spent quite a bit of cash. And no, it's not necessarily a fairy story. It's more just an interesting story, but they are doing well in their league. I think they've just come off the back of a two, one win over Altrincham in the national league. Uh, they are the second in the table now, mm. uh, 68 points. They're but under, it, yeah. But they've been out of the football league now. Do you know how long since? It's a bit like 10 years more. It, it makes our League One days feel like uh, very insignificant. They've been out of the Football League since 2008. Wow. I didn't realise it was that long. Incredible. They've now played six matches in the FA Cup as well. So, you know, they've had a lot more to get as far as they have. And I think for the neutrals, they obviously want to see them get through to the fifth round of the competition, just play uh, Tottenham Hotspur. The TV cameras have already decided that will be you know, the clash. Mm. Uh, I think we just need to make sure... That doesn't happen. A thoroughly professional performance needs to be put on. I know that they'll have a, a few players out injured. We know that um, Aaron Hayden was injured, picked up in the early stages of the game against us. Mm. Uh, but Ollie Palmer, who has 14 goals this season, could be back. And you know him and Mullen up top at any level is going to cause us problems. Did he, uh, did he play in that first game, Palmer? Good question. Well presented. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to remember because... Uh, <laughs> but I'm not 100% sure. Why isn't this... This is useless. Stupid Google. Can I um, hear the inner workings of you tapping on a keyboard, as as is my want? Yeah, you can, but uh, I'm, I'm not getting the answers I'm looking for. I don't know if I'm just thinking that he's... Um, I don't know if that's just a familiar sounding name. Uh, he did, yeah, he did play. Yeah, I, I thought he was um, pretty decent in that game. I was trying to remember who the other, the other striker was. Um, yeah, so... I've got to say, Wrexham, I, I didn't want to replay uh, to the extent, I mean, that, that sounds obvious, but I mean, to the extent that I had very mixed feelings when John Egan scored in the 95th minute. Like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't know. <laughs> I watched it with uh, with Andrew and, and uh, with with mutual friend Eggy, and um, I wanted to have a section uh, talking about this with Andrew where we just basically try and articulate how angry Eggy was with us for our reactions to this goal. <laughs> Um, he was. I think if he'd had a weapon on him, we would both be dead right now because we we, we kind of had our heads in our hands a little bit of like, oh, he's not such a, a he's such a great guy. <laughs> not not a replay, but now that we've got a replay, we might as well win the damn thing, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, it's Spurs at home. It, it's the next game, which uh, would be fabulous because I realised this afterwards um, uh, after the cup draw, I should say. We missed out on Spurs at home the last time we were in the Premier League because of the pandemic. The yeah. both seasons the home game was played with Spurs was played behind closed doors. So we had that fantastic performance where we beat them three one, I think it was. Yeah, um, Sander Berger was playing like Sander Berger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um in an empty empty stadium. So uh yeah, that's that's a significant carrot. I you know, I'm not too fussed about I, I'm not gonna be uh crying you know, crying myself to sleep if we lose tomorrow against Wrexham. But I would like us to win now that we actually have to play this replay. And yeah, chance to play Spurs. We're not obviously not played them 
in front of a crowd since the uh, League Cup semi-final when uh, Che Adams went went bananas as a substitute in the second half. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a it's a big carrot. I hope we. I, I mean, obviously, it'll be a game where it'll be played on a much better pitch, which I, I think will make quite a big difference. I know both teams have to play on that pitch, but also. One team was suited to play on that pitch, and United weren't. I mean, I felt so sorry for Armand Odzic, like trying to turn around on that pitch and just sort of like having to cut a very wide circle across the grass in Wrexham. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think that'll help. I imagine it'll be quite a strange atmosphere because um, obviously be a lot of Wrexham fans. I don't think there'll be that many Sheffield United fans. Like I think in like what fifteen thousand fans maybe in total. Were, were I in the country, this is the kind of game I'd go to. I, I hate missing these kind of games because yeah, you're right. Mm. This is when the lads are going to need our backing probably more than ever. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I think I think we'll be fine in this one. Uh, I in when I sort of took a step back, I think we did everything possible to lose that first game. You know, yeah. we. We're passing them the ball in our half, which was bad, Chris Basham, I'm thinking of. Uh, the first goal, uh, I'm trying to remember that. Was, was that just a long throw we didn't defend? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, the second goal comes from a corner where Davies declines to come out and catch it unchallenged in the six-yard box, and it just hits sharp in the face and drops for their guy. Jebison gets sent off for an off-the-ball tussle. I, I, I thought we did everything possible to lose the game uh, and managed not to lose it, so... That is something. Just don't don't defend like idiots in uh, in this replay, and I think we'll be absolutely fine. Just on Jebison, um, what do you think of that as a red card? It's so frustrating um, that he's sent off because I thought he'd been playing. He played really well in that one, and he was just stringing together a nice little run of results, and obviously we lose him for, um, well, that will be the second of those three games. What, what do you think of that as a decision overall? Yeah, the, some of the guys I was watching it with instantly said, oh, that's a red. And then I was right. really, really surprised. I mean, it looked like, yeah, he got, I think it was the defender, I can't remember his name, uh, who was uh, messing about just... Uh, it's, it's Tozer, a.k.a. Tosser, yeah. as people in the book. <laughs> the guy with the long throw, is that right? Exactly, Tosser. He's tossing yeah. it into the box. Into the box, that's why you said that. You wouldn't say it any other way. Um so, yeah, I think he was just doing a you know, wily old professional job of winding up a young lad, and, and it worked. And it looked like Jebo tried to kick him and missed. And, you know, that's probably enough because you shouldn't try to kick another person in any yes. walk of life. Um, so, yeah, he wasn't going to get that overturned. Silly, petulant, as you say, massive shame because he's just hitting a really nice, and for the first time, probably... Uh, probably first time in the first team because mm. yeah he scored against Everton but actually I remember after that he had a bit of a tough time even Burnley at home you know when when you and I went back to the lane with a couple of other people um, <laughs> after the Covid situation where we were allowed a few fans in even in that game I thought he got bullied a little bit and didn't look strong enough even though he won the match so this was actually seeing him really show what he's all about and I know from hearing from players a training when they talk about some of the most skillful and exciting players at Sheffield United, they all say Daniel Jebison. So we know there's a real player in there, and this we were just about to see him. I think from following on from that Millwall cameo, really kick on. Terrible timing. Yeah, it's terrible timing because obviously I'm almost certain he would have got Sharp's minutes against yeah. uh, uh, Rotherham this weekend. Uh, he'd obviously start. He'd start tomorrow night. He, yeah. I guess, would be yeah. It'd be first change, wouldn't he? But, you know, we'd be McBurney and Jai at the weekend, and uh, Jefferson coming off the bench. But it's, yeah, it just sets him back. And obviously, uh, Asula's got this broken jaw, so he's. I, I thought he might appear on the bench, but he's obviously 
not fit yet. Maybe maybe we'll see him um, uh, on the bench next weekend because obviously Cup tied um, for tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, crap timing. I like you. I, I, I kind of the same opinion on this. Like it, it's sort of a. I can't really say it's a soft red card, but it's sort of one of those that a referee will usually just show two yellows, uh, one to each player for. But having been sent off with the uh, fourth official sticking his oar in, uh, it's, it was never going to get overturned, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, we just we just have to suck it up. I guess one of the uh, very small silver linings of having to play a replay is that that does chalk off one of his suspension games and he will only miss one more league game, Jebison. So um yeah, it's uh, bad timing is, is absolutely right. Yeah, you've nailed it. Um, just on Jefferson, because I see, obviously, Reader Kadra was our player to start this month, uh, to start last month, I should say, uh, and then he's sent back to Brighton. Uh, Reader Kadra, by the way, is, is Mr. February in the official Sheffield United <laughs> calendar, which I was very amused when I turned my calendar over on February the 1st uh, and saw his, his grinning visage. He no longer plays for us. Um, the, sorry, the point I was going to make is uh, I see people saying, like, you know we're we're weaker at the end of this transfer window than we were um, at the start of it because we're we're down a player essentially. Kadra has left. I would counter that and say that it's opened a door for Jebison, and Jebison has already contributed more than Kadra did in the you know four or five months that Kadra was here. So my ultimate optimist take here is that actually we're probably better without Kadra here because of the steps that Jebison has taken. Um, and yeah, that just kind of doubles down on what was what you were saying about it's just bad timing because he was becoming a very viable third or fourth, fourth choice striker, Jefferson. But yeah, it it doesn't um, it, to me. This is I'm, I know I'm jumping back to our, our sort of transfer deadline things here, but I, I'm not too worried to be honest that we didn't bring in a cadre replacement because of how Jefferson has looked in the last month or so. Are you? Are you uh, along those lines as well, or yeah. would you have liked us to get another body in? Not, well, not that we had the, the option. Yeah, exactly. We didn't have the choice. And trust me, I've been scouting here in Cyprus and there's nothing. Kadra um, <laughs> uh, needs minutes. Last thing you want is someone not happy just taking his opportunity when there's injuries because he knows that they're really not going to last. Uh, he's also not a striker. So mm. this is this was Jebo's chance. And maybe, hopefully, Jebison learns from this more than in any other way because he now will mm. be watching from the sidelines going, that should have been my minutes. That's entirely my fault. I won't do that again. That's the only positive I can draw from a really unfortunate situation. Yeah, him and Asula both sent off within weeks of each other for largely the same thing. So what hopefully they both learn the lesson. Whatever yeah. they're telling these kids, all right, <laughs> it needs to change. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they both learn the lesson. I appreciate I'm being a bit of a hypocrite here because I've I've praised United's aggressiveness this season in uh, you know uh, aggressivity, aggressivity. Yes, <laughs> um, in you know not shirking a, a battle, I suppose. But it's good to uh, see some legacy from Slavisa Kanovic is still last. <laughs> yeah, never forget. Um, I'd be semi surprised if we use Basham against Wrexham because I thought Mullin just. Gave him such a hard time, which is is awkward as a as a Chris Basham fan. Uh, he was obviously playing on the left of defence, which is not his, his normal position at all. But ultimately, he is playing against a National League team. And uh, yeah, I, I thought he really struggled. So I, I think Armadotic will probably continue and either Clark or Jack Robinson. I, I think we're going to pick a strong team again, right? I, I'd be really surprised. Yeah, we don't have the bodies. I thought Armadotic struggled as well, to be honest. It wasn't his He best. did, he did, yeah. Uh, but Basham, you know, father time creeps up on all of us and I hate to say it because like you I'm a dedicated follower of Basham and he <laughs> sorry he is 
he isn't the same Chris Basham. And I don't like saying that because there's no player I have adored watching more than Chris Basham because he he makes you believe, he makes you think that this is a guy who is getting the very most out of mm. his God-given talent. And I love that about him. He is a 100%er every single match. I don't know. Maybe he's a bit like what I've said earlier about Ben Osborne. Maybe he regularly needs minutes to get that kind of consistency, and he's not going to get that anymore. And you know, maybe it's sad to say this might be his final season with Sheffield United. Oh, that would be sad. But yeah, I think I think that's a, a valid point, though. Um, that he, he may just need minutes. Um, and yeah, well, you've seen I, with uh, David McGoldrick. You know, you give someone consistent minutes in the same position, and they will score uh, hat tricks, plural. A hat trick of hat tricks, yeah. Oh, that's great to see with McGoldrick, although it does make me think, like, can we? Uh, why don't we just sign him back in January? <laughs> that's what we should have done. Why don't we just keep him? I mean, as we've got this <laughs> crisis at the moment, but it wouldn't have worked because he needs minutes. Very, very good point, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're going to be fine tomorrow night. Uh, you know, just just defend long throws, which we largely did well, apart from the two that actually led to goals. Um, I wonder if Davies will play again because he was so shaky um, against Wrexham. Perhaps starting a Welshman in goal against a Welsh team <laughs> isn't such a good idea. Um, I, I will say with uh, Davies, you know, I think he just had a bad game. I, th- I thought it was really good against Millwall, the last game that he played. And he's another one, obviously, who's dropping in and out of the team. So, I don't know. I, I think I'd quite like to see Fodderingham start. But at the same time, I, I have a hard time believing Davies would play as badly as that In um, if he is given another chance. should say, by the way, um, you know, I talked about uh, 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 how we've, we've been better than a lot of teams. We were not better than Rex. They absolutely battered us. I don't want to. I don't want to let this go unmentioned. Oh, I think they have like twenty-five it, shots or something. They destroyed yeah. us in this game. And I've seen Wrexham this season before. I moved to Cyprus. I watched quite a lot of National League football, and I watched them uh, earlier in the season. And they weren't that great. They weren't that impressive. They managed to get a result. I saw them last season against Maidenhead as well. Uh, and and Maidenhead played really well in that match. And I just you know I regularly watch these part timers against. Wrexham and and I can't quite believe the performance that they put out it was either us really thinking oh we can just turn up and maybe the, the, the worst thing that could happen was we scored too early I don't know but it wasn't a great performance we need to be so much better I am slightly concerned certainly more than you that with our performances since the World Cup uh, by the way I'm just going to throw out there a name that I want you to remember that I think having watched Adam Davies I straight away went online looked for goalkeepers that we could buy uh, when we're out of the transfer embargo. And if we go up, or you know, even if we don't, Mike Cooper, Plymouth Argyle, this guy, his stats, if you get a chance to look at him, he's played over 100 games at the age of 23. He is the future. <laughs> he made his Plymouth debut at 18. He is, I would say he's Dean Henderson 2.0, but without the, the sort of extracurricular, he's not got that cockiness. He's only got 12 months left on his contract. And there's a lot of clubs that will be interested in sniffing around him He's ready. Remember the name. Mike is, is not even the, the first result on uh, on Google for Mike Cooper. That's someone who's played as a guitarist. Or something. That'll change. That'll change. I think he'd be a serious upgrade on Adam Davies and possibly, and I dare I say it, possibly even Wes. Bold, bold talk. Well, there you go. Remember the name, Mike Cooper. Um, right, mate. Well, we, we've waffled on for a, a good amount of time there, considering uh, you know the Rotherham game was terrible. But I, I very much enjoyed uh, catching up with yourself and discussing a, uh, a fairly eventful ten days with the Blades. Even though it's sort of a, 
I, I wrote this down. It's like a whirlwind of nothingness. Like, like I felt like loads was, has been happening in the last ten days. But actually, yeah, when you take a storm, that's what it is. We'll look back on this in a few months. Ago. We had no idea what was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, keep, I, I must confess, I've, I've been uh, refreshing the EFL embargo site at regular intervals, trying to. You know, waiting, waiting for our name to disappear from it. I'm afraid we are still on that list of uh, embargoed clubs. Us and Reading, and of course, uh, my my wife is a Reading fan, so we are the embargo household, embargo buddies at the moment. But I'm I'm ready for United to come off that, and then I'll I'll, I'll feel a bit more relaxed about the rest of the season. I think knowing there's no knowing that whatever financial issues are there aren't super pressing if we were able to get the cash together to just pay off this outstanding bill. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, Hal, thanks so much for your time, man. I really, uh, I really appreciate you dialing in from Cyprus and and s- stepping in for Andrew while he's recovering. And um, yeah, it's it's been great to uh, great to catch up with you and talk about the blades. You because you're you're a few hours ahead, aren't you? So you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be able to watch tomorrow night. Or you're gonna be falling asleep by half time. I never miss them. I just regret it the next day. I mean, particularly if it's a dull match, because, yeah, start at 10 p.m. kind of thing here. And, uh, yeah, I start work at 5 a.m. So I usually regret my life choices and decisions uh, by about half time. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. And also, if the financial stuff rumbles on with the Blades, uh, next time I'm on, let's set up a GoFundMe, get whatever debt it is paid off and get out of this transfer embargo. I did think that. There better be, yeah, can you get someone with a... You know, collecting buckets and stuff around Bramall Lane for the next couple of home games. Let's just let's just get this sorted. Um, any uh, any insider tips from um, on Cyprus football league that we should know about? Like, we, we, you, you said you're going to see a couple of teams. Do you think you've got season tickets for two teams at the moment? Well, I don't have to pay for one team because you know how I am with football. I don't just watch football. I get heavily involved. So I'm now <laughs> best buddies with an owner and a general manager at uh, Appia Akrotiri, which is a third division side pushing for promotion. So as soon as I turn up at the turnstile, they go, no, 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 you don't have to pay. And I'm not going to question that. Uh, so they all like me, <laughs> which is nice. I've got to know quite a few of the players there. I'm getting more and more involved with them, helping them out with their YouTube and stuff. Um, nice. I know that's how you get in. You've got to find an in. And then um, <laughs> I'm watching Apollon, the team from Limassol, who were the champions last season. And since I've mm. arrived, have been absolutely dreadful. So uh, they are they are truly one of the most frustrating sides I've ever watched and should be quite good. But they're not. I can't tell. Because of the standard here, it's, it's really hard when I'm watching. I'm going from third division to top flight. I'm watching mm. regularly. They never clash with Blades games, so it's always fine. Uh, I can't tell if the standards either really terrible or if there are some actual really good players here uh, <laughs> that, that are standing out. I need this is a too small a sample size. Ask me again in the yeah. <laughs> great answer. Uh, anything you want to plug on uh, Sheffield United Way before um, before we finish up? You well, watch along, presumably. Like how long? we do interviews in advance to how long they're released. There is an interview I did before I left. So you'll see the background of my old house, wow. which we haven't released yet, but it's an absolute do. So like Slavisa Jukanovic is there talking about the future of Sheffield United. You mentioned him. He follows me on Twitter. And so, um, <laughs> you know, we have, we have, there have been DMs, uh, but no, he's not interested in, in coming on the channel. There's someone else from, from your and my day of, of initially watching the Blades. And, and Nick doesn't like oh. me to give away who the guests are before we release them. But there's someone coming up that you will not expect who has some incredible stories. Nice. Well, well, we'll look out for that. That is, of course, Sheffield United Way on YouTube. Uh, find you on Twitter as well. Uh, do you want to plug your own, your own Twitter? Or is, is, is God, just... no. I mean, I, I was chatting with Danny Hall about this the other day about like let, you know, Twitter followers. And I said, Danny, I don't want any more. <laughs> I've got enough. <laughs> 
That's great. Yeah. I've got enough friends. I've reached that stage of life. Yeah. <laughs> I can only only manage so many people at once. I'll let, I'll let people know if there's an opening, but at the moment, <laughs> that, that's enough. Hal, thanks so much for your time. I re- really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, great to catch up. Hopefully, any any inkling when you might be back in the country? Or yes, is it n- yeah, I do know. I've booked it all. So the first time I would actually be able to come back with this contract I got here was in April. So Cardiff at home, as long as that game isn't moved, I'll be there. Fantastic. I will buy you an orange juice for that one and uh, very very much look forward to it. Uh, Thanks very much again, mate. And uh, yeah, catch up with you soon. Cheers.